Okay, that should be enough for a sound profile. Uh, all right, yeah. So last time I did the podcast, I did not save. Uh, I needed like 15 seconds of silence in that environment to um, create a noise, noise, noise profile. Like I'm already messing up. Podcast is, this is a terrible episode. This is probably the worst of the two so far, but we'll see how it goes, I guess. But uh, I had to make a 15 second thing of silence or it's recommended to so that you can denoise the track using the magic of um, math and algorithms and such things that are definitely above my, above the skull of mine. Uh, but I wasn't, I honestly, I wasn't even sure about making another episode of this podcast because I, I listened back to the first episode and just, I don't know, the lack of like a format just struck me as being like uninteresting to, for people to listen to, I guess. And I don't know, I felt like the way that I, I'm only talking about myself and nothing else is, it could come off as like self-indulgent maybe. Um, but luckily I did remember after that, that it, it is my podcast and I can do whatever I want. If I like it, that's really all that matters. And I, and I do like it. So here's episode two, a gift from me to me and to you too. Episode two. So what are we going for this time? Well, uh, I figured that the second that I put together a list of topics with actual research put into them, that's pretty much the end of the, of the show. I'm not, after that, I might as well just, you know, pack it up because I've gone formatted. I might as well start getting guests doing ad reads, um, caring about the quality and the integrity of the program. And that's not me. I, I don't, integrity and quality is like the antithesis to who I am. I'm low quality and I'm bad integrity. So we're going to, we're going to continue going with this, uh, this, this track that we're on until we're no quality and no integrity whatsoever. And I'm excited for that. But we're at episode two, so we can't get there yet. There has to be a little spline curve, you know, so we, we, we take off like a perfect spline, like a perfect, uh, like a Bezier curve, right? So we, we take off and it's relatively smooth, you know, as we kind of reach our decline and then we smooth out the bottom where it's kind of so subtle that you don't even realize it's happening, but we bottomed out in quality. And I'm predicting that'll probably happen around episode like five or six or something. So, you know, stay tuned. Anyway, seven nineteen. PM clock just changed. It's 7:19 PM on a Sunday. It's January 2023. January 22, 2023. And I got a beef. I got a beef. And I'm gonna tell you about my beef. Uh so last time we ended, I was ranking the streaming services, and I said that HBO Max right now is probably gonna be the best streaming service for my money at this point in time. Now, the universe rewarded me with this opinion, as the universe tends to do, by releasing a, uh, a dog shit series onto HBO Max. Literally, it's, it's dog shit because it's about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> okay, sorry. I won't do that again. Um, Scooby-Doo. Well, it's not called Scooby-Doo. It's actually called Velma, who is about Velma. Uh, if you know Velma, she's got a sweater. She can't find her glasses, that crazy girl. And she's rather, she's rather smart. 
you know, she's, um, she's usually the, the problem solver of the group. So Velma is much appreciated for what she is. Uh, what she is not is whatever the show has made her out to be, which is not Velma. And I've heard a rumor, actually, that the show was not supposed to be about Velma from Scooby-Doo. It was an entirely different animated series, but it was just, they thought so low of it that they needed to attach it to an existing IP to get people to watch it. So they, they like reworked the character and had it, or like the characters and had it be Velma. And, um, so, okay. So let me just start, let me kind of wind this back for a second. Right. I heard about this show same way about, I hear about anything that goes on in the world It is uh, on social media. And I was basically alerted to it in the way of like, in the context of, oh, okay, this is the worst thing that's ever been made that IMDB actually has it as the lowest rated show of all time. And I think it's like 1.6 stars or something like that. Probably 1.6 and dropping. Um, so that was all my context. And then I had seen some clips of it. I saw a couple like choice clips that were circulating that, yeah, it was, it was pretty, seemed pretty bad, seemed not very well written, uh, kind of obnoxious writing, obnoxious characters. And, um, but you know, I'm like, all right, so me, I, I like to think that I value my time. I don't spend time watching stuff that I hate. I don't hate watch things. That's not how I spend my time. I spend my time ranting about things that I actually did end up hate watching on a podcast that maybe three people listen to at best, including myself, including the editor. Editor here. I don't listen to the podcast after I've done my job. So that's how I spend my time. And I spent my time uh, earlier today earlier because I, I did, I felt like I wanted to say something about this because I couldn't stop thinking about it, which again, it, it was like, I didn't want to write out a, like a topic that I could talk about on the podcast. I just, I just can't stop thinking about it uh, as pathetic as, as that is. So I decided before I got on and talked about it, I wanted to have some more perspective about the show before, uh, other than just what I've been exposed to on social media. So. I watched it. I, I put it on HBO Max and I sat down and I, I paid good attention. I had my, my speakers on a medium to high level, you know, so I could really get the nuance of the performances. And um, I made it, I made it five minutes in. Then I had to shut it off. I, I, you know, my intention was to at least watch the whole first episode, but I have to tell you that it was not, um, you know, there, there are some things out there where you can categorize them as so bad it's good. You know, like Tommy Wiseau, Tommy Wiseau, Wiseau, I think Wiseau, Tommy Wiseau's The Room is like the peak example of so bad it's good, where you watch the movie and the performances just make you laugh. The story just makes you laugh. It's so left field because it feels like like an anti-humor, you know, like it feels like something that was made to make you laugh. But the beauty of it is that it's not there to make you laugh. That's what makes something so bad it's good. The intention does not match the execution. When I watched this, this Velma show, the, what little of it I could feasibly get through, it was not so bad it's good. It was straight up like, it was like mean. It was like, you're, you're dumb for watching. Like it was, 
the character could have turned to the screen, looked you dead in the eyes and said, fuck you for watching this, you dumb idiot. And it honestly would have been less degrading than the dialogue that they went with. It, it just like, it insults the genre of, of what it is. It does all this meta commentary about what you're like expecting or why they do the choices they do with it versus like, you know, what, just what your expectations are. And let me tell you, meta commentary is the number one way to get me to turn something off. And if you don't know what I mean by that, it's like commenting on, on the show itself. It's like fourth wall immersion breaking. That is the number one thing to get me to, to just be like, nah, I'm out. Because I don't really think that there's any, anything, any thought that you could convey through a fourth wall break that is better than just letting the scene play out. If you have to talk to your audience directly, like stare them in the face and tell them what they're supposed to think or feel or intercept their expectations of, of your decisions behind something because you're too insecure to just tell the story, you shouldn't be writing for television. That's not, it shouldn't be your job. Look, we all have to, you know, we all got to get a job and maybe you took this job because you thought it was like your way to write for something else and you're kind of half-assing it and like you're not really going to go anywhere with it, but you're just sort of like passing the time. Well, that's fine. But, you know, put a little gusto into it. Please don't just stand there and just prompt me with questions that I shouldn't be having to answer as a viewer or, 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 or give me the punchline before you even give me a setup. It's just a little, um, terrible. And so, all right, look, I didn't, I didn't want to like go super far into this, like why, you know, why it sucks. I, I, I more wanted to talk about the impact it's created and the discourse it's created a little bit because it is very sad to me that we as a people are spending all our time discussing how bad something is than how good, you know, other things are because it's a, it's a reflection of maybe the state of things right now, which is that Hollywood is not really putting out the best of stuff. Let's be real. I mean, when's the last great TV show to come out? And don't tell me like House of the Dragon or whatever, because it's not a great TV show. It's, it's middling. I've seen parts of it so far. I'm, I'm like in the middle of it. It's like, yeah, it's okay. But I'm not writing home about it to anyone. Like the original Game of Thrones first season, that was a great show. Awesome. But it's been years. It's been years. And there's been a lot of changes. And, and I think it's not really producing good comedy content, especially. So in the case of something like Velma, which is, I think supposed to be funny. It's not funny. And look, I can summarize what I don't like about the show very clearly, actually. It tells a lot of jokes very fast and none of them are funny. Not a single one. And they're really even to categorize them as jokes is like disingenuous. They're not even jokes. They're just witty observations. And I have to say like, you know what I like to picture the writer's room of Velma being? It's like, a room, like eight people sitting in a room for eight hours straight. And instead of coming up with dialogue for the characters, that's fitting to the character and the situation. They just are having conversations about things that they, they've been thinking about almost like a podcast and not making any jokes necessarily, but just sort of having these kind of, I don't even know how to describe them. Almost, um, like they say in LA, not that I've been to LA, but I've heard this about, about writers in LA is that everybody's just kind of waiting for their turn to talk. 
And it's sort of like that. Like everybody has an opinion and your opinion is not better than theirs. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll tolerate you talking long enough for them to deliver their opinion. And it's like that, a bunch of snappy opinion having just in sequence. And then there's like a little scribe in the corner of the room writing down the things that they're talking about being like, okay, so I guess this is the dialogue, I guess. And then they just, they just slap it on the characters in the order of appearance. I mean, seriously, it, it is so unstructured and I'm talking way too much about the episode. It doesn't matter. Literally, it doesn't matter. And I'm telling you right now, it's not worth watching. It's just not, it's, it's not, it's because again, I, it's not one of those things. It's so bad. It's good. It's not like a, oh, it's so cringy. It makes you feel something at all. It's just annoying. That's the thing. It's annoying. The characters are annoying. And I was thinking about it a little bit and I was thinking like, um, so Velma as a character, she is just from the very first words that come out of her mouth, she appears to basically think she's better than everyone. Like the kind of person, you know, it's kind of funny because like the original character of Velma, right? She's intelligent, but she's not so like, uh, you know, I'm so much more intelligent than you, Fred and Daphne. Oh, Daphne, you dumbass. Like, you know, don't get lost on your way there, dumbass. I'm going to go solve the mystery in the other room. That's not who, who Velma is. Velma is just a smart, you know, observant girl. And in this series, she just comes out the gate being like, I'm the smartest. I found a mystery ink. And she even insults. She goes, she goes, uh, it wasn't Fred in his weird sex van. It's like, okay, all right, I get it. It's, it's an adult animated series. Ha ha. Oh, raunchy cursing. But look, it, it's just not funny. So what it comes off as instead is very pompous. It comes off as very, um, uh, man, I don't know what the best word would be really, but there was a word I had in my head earlier, but I've, I've forgotten it by now. But it's just, um, it's pompous in a way that's not endearing at all. It, it's, it's, it's hateful and it's mean is what it is. It's mean spirited. It's like not the kind of way you would talk about a friend is, oh, his weird sex van is like, there's no part of it that makes me connect with this character because I see her as being a sympathetic protagonist. I don't even see her as being like an anti-hero, like someone who she's got the edge on her, but you know, at the end of the day, she's got redeeming qualities. And I was thinking about it in the way of like, who do I see as like a, a you know, a sympathetic kind of anti-hero, right? Tony Soprano from The Sopranos. Okay. Now look, if you have an HBO subscription, I'm just, I'm going to share some golden wisdom for you. If you're thinking of watching Velma and you have an HBO subscription, they got another show on there. Starts with an S. Just go in the little search bar. You go search it. I guarantee you're going to love it. It's called Sopranos. No matter who you are, I think there's a little something for everyone. Awesome show. And you have it available to you in full as a subscriber of HBO Max. Can you believe it? Awesome. So don't watch Velma, for God's sakes. Uh, go watch The Sopranos, and you'll be able to connect a bit more with what I'm about to say. But the uh, the the main character of The Sopranos is Tony Soprano. He's 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 the the father in the main family, and Tony Soprano is a terrible man. He's a mob figure. He kills people. He he extorts people. He you know he treats women terribly. He cheats on his wife. All sorts of terrible things that make a terrible person. The sum of his parts is a terrible person. But when you watch the show, you still find yourself kind of rooting for Tony Soprano, not wanting anything too bad to happen to him, because at the end of the day, you're kind of entertained by him. 
he's got all these terrible qualities about him that make him a terrible person on paper, but he's very funny. He's a funny, he's a funny man. He's funny. He's got good jokes on him. And a lot of characters in the show. I mean, it's really, it's a show about reprehensible people for the most part. And we've actually, we've seen, uh, I remember when Breaking Bad was like airing and it was like early-ish. It wasn't like early, early in the days of social media, but it wasn't anything compared to, you know, the immediate kind of discourse that happens now. But I, I was a part of like, you know, some communities that were, that were talking about Breaking Bad at the time when it was airing. I think I was watching it live midway through fourth season and then into the fifth season. So I watched those parts, which best seasons also, I could, you know, get into this another time. But um, I remember when I was watching the show, especially around that time, I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil it if you haven't seen it, because I highly recommend. But um, Skylar, the wife in, to, to the main character, Walt, um, she was getting a lot of flack because she wasn't very supportive of his activities. But really, Walt was never on the right track of what he was doing. He was always doing terrible things. He was jeopardizing people's lives. He was distributing drugs, manufacturing them. Like he's not a good person and any reasonable person would, would denounce that behavior, especially if you knew them as someone completely different. And then they get into this world of, of, you know, uh, just the shady dealings. Like you're not going to, you're not going to support that. But I think people have this tendency of looking, you know, from a screen, you know, just looking at them as characters and just looking from beyond the screen, they get married to the person whose perspective they're most following. So in the case of Breaking Bad, it's Walt. So when his wife comes in and is like, hey, can you stop doing these uh, horrible things? You're like, man, shut up. You, know, you don't know anything. Walt's the boy. You know, Walt's our guy. It's like people get very, they get very jaded to people that don't support the character that they've come to know. Okay. So I think my point of this was that you can't expect people to be very, rational when it comes to who they choose to support as characters because people get attached to seeing characters go through the things they go through and oftentimes it lets us excuse their you know less than ideal behavior and in the case of like tony soprano it's more immediate where it's like he's making funny jokes so you got a little smile on your face it's a fun experience you want some more funny jokes so you put up with the, the, you know, bad things he's doing and let's be 100%, you know, real and rat. It's the same reason, you know, Martin Scorsese films are so popular. Mob films are so popular is because gratuitous violence and, and sex and what you, it's, it all, it's all great. We love to see it. But I, Tony Soprano is actually an example of one of the first characters on screen that was just like a definitive anti-hero, but people still loved him. You can look that up. That's actually true. If you look up the discourse around that time, because <clears throat> the people knew around that time when the Sopranos was coming out, it was a legendary program. Like it was goaded from season one. Actually, mm, I might have to revise that. But by the end of its run, people knew it was, you know, a historic and legendary show as it was airing. But anyway, so you have people like Tony Soprano who are more rewarding in the immediate sense. And then you have people like Walt who in getting to see their journey, you become sympathetic for them because he goes from someone who's, who's fairly timid and meek and, you know, not, uh, he's just not the person he is by the end of the show. So when you encounter that obstacle of like, oh, why, you know, someone who doesn't support him, you're just like, again, just like, shut up. Like, you don't, you don't know him. Like we know him. Um, but as this ties into Velma and I think what the beef is, it's very simple. She doesn't have funny jokes. She can be an asshole. She can be a bad person all she wants. 
if she can make me laugh between it. But she doesn't. So my advice to Mindy Kaling and the, the writers at Velma uh, Incorporated is get some funny jokes. Stop talking about what movies and TV usually do as you're doing it. Um, just make a joke. Haha, <laughs> joke, funny, make me laugh, you know, make me laugh. You're, it's a comedy show, right? Right? I should check. Maybe it's not supposed to be a comedy show. Well, no, they make jokes. They definitely make jokes. It's ironic that, again, using the term ironic, who knows if I'm using it right here, but whatever. Uh, it's interesting that Mindy Kaling, who was on one of the most uh, nuanced character, you know, supported comedy shows of all time with The Office, a beloved classic, would have such, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, she was the executive writer or whatever. I, I don't know, but her name's on it. And it's just ironic that she, of all people, would not sense how one-sided the character is. Just how, because The Office was a great show in what it did to, oh my God, we're 24 minutes. In. I said I wouldn't talk about this too much. We're 24 minutes into the podcast. Editor here. I tried to explain to him after last episode that you can't call out the time code as you're recording. He does not understand. He will never understand everything I do for him. But damn. All right. Well, I mean, it's just funny that that she, of all people, would be like kind of blind to what makes characters like funny and well-written being a part of, of, you know, such a good show that really like all things considered, like made every character on the show feel unique and, uh, you know, made you feel sympathetic towards them in some way. I mean, the show centered around an asshole. Michael's an asshole. He's an idiot. The things he do, he, the things he he does are so buffoonish and 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 you know antagonistic, and he's like, you know, he's offensive, he's tone deaf, but at the end of the day, again, gotta give it to you, you're funny, so I like you. You're a funny man, right? So just be a funny person, and I, you know, I'll I'll love it. I'll love it. I'll watch Velma season two. They just gotta change every single thing about Velma, and also not make it an adult cartoon because I, I I don't actually really like these. Uh, so much, but I'll watch. Just change it, make it live action, and then uh, make Velma uh, good as well. And I'll watch. Scouts honor Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling, you're listening. Scouts honor Mindy Kaling. I'm holding my pinky up to the microphone. You just wrap your pinky around. Just wrap your pinky around your other pinky, and it's like you're making a Scouts honor promise with me. So Scouts honor Mindy Kaling. If you make Velma good, I'll watch it. But I just can't, I cannot believe that like, this is the thing that people are heated about. I mean, I cannot believe that I'm even talking about it to this extent. That's insane to me. I mean, it's been like three days on social media of, of people talking just about this. I mean, like, is, is there nothing more controversial we could discuss? We need another 9-11. Okay. Cause we, eh, park it, back it up. Editor. Oh, editor. I need you. Uh, the, what I just said, ax that. We need another, not, no, we do not. We absolutely do not need another 9-11. I was trying to say that we need something controversial to discuss. It's a little, a little bigger in scope than an animated cartoon, okay? Um, but I, didn't want to, I don't want to go on the podcast and say, we need another 9-11. See, it is episode two of hopefully a long running, prosperous, fun, fa family friendly series. So we can't, we can't start it off like this. We can't do this. This is a mistake. 
So I'm going to do, I'm going to give a few statements that I think are less controversial and you can just edit it so that those don't forget, you got to put the, these, one of these statements, I'll give you a few statements. Um, okay. Uh, we need a new iPhone. We need another Beyonce Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, people were kind of mad about that for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, we need another pandemic. No, God damn, we don't need another pandemic. We, editor, you know what to do. One of the first two, and then we'll just I'll continue. I'm just going to bridge it from this. I was saying because we're what did I say? I was like because we're tired or bored. Yeah, okay. I'll just let me continue. I'll. You know what? You don't get a choice. You're you're the editor, dude. You do what I ask. Um. Beyonce Super Bowl. Let's say that. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Going to be cut in, cutting out all of what I just said. We need another Beyonce Super Bowl or something. Just something with enough controversy that's like not really that serious that we can kind of get distracted from the monotony of life for, you know, 12 hours or so before moving on. Because I just don't think that getting mad about a, a, a cartoon for adults called Velma from Scooby-Doo is exactly a good way to spend the, the human consciousness is time. Like I like to think of things as like, as, as productive hours, right? So think about all the discourse that happens around any event and all the people that contribute towards it and the time that they spend towards those contributions, that's productive time that could have been spent, um, curing cancer because we know everybody on Twitter is capable of curing cancer. Me included. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd be, I'd be in the lab right now. You don't even know. You think Velma's smart? You should see me with a stethoscope. I'm like a genius. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's Velma. Done talking there. I could go, I could go further, but we're almost 30 minutes in. What's the point? You know? So let's talk about something more positive. I don't like to, I don't really like to be negative. Well, let's, let's, okay. Positive. Let me tell you, if you haven't seen The Sopranos on HBO, go watch that. Another great comfy show that I'm really into. It's got two seasons out right now. It's on HBO. How to with John Wilson. It's 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 a little more low key. I don't think too many people know about this show. It's um, it's awesome. Just check it out. It's really cool. You know, it's not for everybody. I don't know, but it's I think it's really cool. My dad really likes it. And like when I find a program that me and my parents, you know, both like, super nice because I can like go home and visit them, and you know, we have something to watch and. So how to with John Wilson is a great show to watch if, if, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, it's just like, you know, it's just cool. So what else is going on? Uh, I suppose I could update you on the job search. It has been six days since the last recording and there have been updates. Let me tell you. So, okay. So a few things have happened. Um, some good news from the company that again, I, I don't want to name them right now, just privacy wise. Uh, I've been having some good results with. So we had to reschedule. I had a, an interview with a technical recruiter and we rescheduled it for uh, Wednesday. It was supposed to be that, that day that I first recorded on, on that Monday. Rescheduled for Wednesday, had that meeting. It was great. Person was lovely. Had a really nice conversation. And then the next day I got a technical assessment to take for that company. Now, I've been, I've been like practicing, uh, cause this is, it's a front end position. So I've been practicing react for like, I mean, I would say like the past week I've been really focused on react. 
And that's mostly because the position also, they listed React as being part of their tech stack. Um, and I was glad because when I talked to the recruiter, you know, it sounded all accurate. Um, you know, React was was primarily what they use as far as web front-end framework, um, just for rendering HTML. But anyway, so I, I had a good conversation with the recruiter and they said to me, okay, so, you know, if, if uh, you feel good about it, I'm going to give you the technical assessment. And the assessment is going to be focused on React. So I said, okay, awesome. And um, so, you know, I, I, I was just waiting for the next 24 hours, got it in my inbox. I was like, yes, okay, let's go. And that day, that was on Thursday. Yeah, it was on Thursday. And um, that day, I just, again, I just continued to hit the books on React, just really covering more technical concepts, just like making sure I was good on whatever kind of hooks I might have to use. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a relatively entry level technical assessment. So I didn't expect anything too fancy. Um, I've taken a couple other ones in React before and they haven't been bad at all. It's like, you know, make a sorted table or um, make a button that responds to state, that sort of thing. So um, I was very pumped up, been doing React for, you know, over a week. and. Um, <laughs> I opened up the assessment and uh, it was not React at all. It was it was algorithmic questions, um, sort of leak code type questions. Um, and I won't say exactly you know what the what the material was, but it wasn't what I was expecting, and it wasn't what I was told to expect. So for me, I was sort of panicked. I was like, "Oh my god, this is not what I was training for." And I really want a job with these guys. Like I, I'm very excited at the possibility of getting this position. So. I was sort of blindsided and um, I wasn't too pleased with the fact that it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. So I, I messaged them afterwards and I was like, hey, yeah, so I just finished, but I, I'm just, you know, I just want to check in. Like, uh, I just want to make sure I took the right test because it was on React or sorry, it wasn't on React. Um, get, didn't get back to me yet. Tomorrow's Monday. So I'm I'm hoping they'll be in the office and I can um, get some closure on this and some hopefully next steps. But, um, yeah, I mean, regardless, I'm not like, I'm not mad about it. Cause it's, I, I felt like I did fine. It just wasn't what I was expecting. So I was, I was a little caught off guard, but yeah, that was a bit of a saga. Um, cause you know, just to continue, like what I was saying before on the, on the last episode, how I even got here was like, I was rejected for this position. Then I was persistent enough that they put me in contact with the technical recruiter and then the technical recruiter, you know, recommended me for the assessment. Assessment was not what I thought it was going to be. And now we're here. So I'm just, you know, I'm really hoping this story has a happy ending. I, I, I'm, I'm sick of the job search, but more than that, I'm just, I really want to work for a place where I feel inspired by the work that we're doing. And I would feel very inspired to work for this company. And you know, it's just, it's slim pickings for entry level, especially if you don't come in with a bachelor's degree, you don't come in with work experience. It is definitely slim pickings. So it's, you really can't be too judgmental of the companies you're applying for. Um, so I've, you know, I've said like, for the most part, okay, I'm, I'm applying for companies where I'm going to get job experience and hopefully I can take that experience into a more advanced role down the line, maybe with a different company. Um, you know, not being like, oh, I'm going to jump ship, you know, as soon as I, not like that. It's just, it's like, I'm just saying that if that has to be my mindset about it, then it can be. I'm hoping it doesn't have to be. I want to find, you know, joy. I want to find purpose and whatever it is I just, you know, I, I end up doing. But um, 
I'm not going to be so devastated if that's the way that I have to look at it for a little while. Just, it's just an expectation I have. So, um, the prospect of working for a place off the bat where I do feel very inspired by their product and I, I, I'm, you know, very excited to work for them that I'm very, you know, I'm really gung ho about this. I really want this to work. So hopefully I can make it to the next stage and maybe there's additional assessments after this point, which are focused on, you know, UI design, but, um, yeah, here's hoping. So yeah, so that happened. And, um, a couple other things, I actually got a, an interview at a different company company that's local to where I live. Um, cause a recruiter reached out to me on LinkedIn and I got to know him a bit. And, uh, so he put me up for this position and I, I had this meeting with them. I was, you know, I, I'm not so sure if it's like right for my experience. Cause it was, it was mostly focused on like .NET, C sharp. It was like object oriented languages, which I do have experience in C sharp. I've, you know, I, I did for the um, unity server plugins and everything, but it's, I'm, I'm kind of rusty on it. I, you know, I wouldn't be able to just pick up a project from nothing and just like start making commits. So if it's an environment where I can learn, you know, on the job early on, then great. I, I think I would, you know, be right at home. I had an interview with these people. Uh, there were three people from the company. They were all great. Um, one guy didn't talk so much, but, um, the other two were really, really nice. And, uh, what's the word forthcoming? You know, I don't know why I always find the need, like if I'm not sure of what the word is still finding the need, like the need to be like, oh, what is the word? If you don't know the word, don't try to find the word. Use less complicated words, words that you know the meaning of. That's, you know, this is me talking to me because this podcast is for me to listen to later and be like, oh, you're so right, me. I'll try to do that in the next, in the next time, me. Um, but if you're listening to this also and you're not me, it's for you too. So don't use big words if you don't fully know their meaning. I actually, when I was, um, when I was in college, I had this thing happen where, um, my first year there, I, I had a roommate who to this day is, is one of my very best friends. And, um, we were talking and, and at some point in the conversation, I, I used the word epitome and they just stopped and they were like, they, they just like stopped for a second and they were like, what, what did you just say? And I said what I said. I said, oh, you know, like the epitome of something like, you know, the top of, so, you know, like the most of something. And they're like, nope, it's not epitome. It's epitome. Oh, and, and they were dying. Their partner was, I, I think their partner was there. They were dying too. I, uh, I wanted to be embarrassed, but to be honest, I was like, I was relieved because it's very few people who would actually correct you on something like that. Most people are willing to let you look stupid. I don't know if you realize that, like even your friends are willing to let you look stupid if it provides them with some sort of self-satisfaction. So it's a real friend who will call you an idiot for calling epitome epitome. That's a real friend right there. So shout out to, uh, real friends. How many of us? How many of us? Man, I miss the old Kanye. I really miss the old Kanye. I am such, I was such a big fan of Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy era. You have no idea. Probably my most played album of all time. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting into a Kanye thing on this podcast. Absolutely not. Maybe, maybe one day, but not today. Today's not the day. But, um, 
Yeah. Get friends who don't lie to you. That's my advice. My advice to me, my advice to you. Advice for us all. So, yeah, what else is going on? I don't know. Man. So there's job search. Talked about Velma, which talked about the job search for probably not even half the time I talked about Velma, which is sad. But I think it's the nature of podcasting is you get more, you get more mileage out of out of bullshit than you do out of anything that has like some sort of substance or uh I don't know. I mean, hearing my life updates, I feel like is not that interesting. But that's fair. All right, what else? So I went to the botanical garden yesterday. I was at the botanical garden and very cool place. They have like lights display. They have a bunch of flowers. Very cool. Um, there's a bunch of flowers that I liked. So I took pictures of the flowers that I liked so I could buy them and inevitably kill them because I can't take care. I just can't take care of flowers. I have, I have two dogs who I love dearly and I give them the world. I take care of them like they're, you know, infant ba- human babies. Uh, but I cannot take care of a fucking plant. So I don't know what that makes me. I, well, you know, the plant doesn't really do anything. Okay. The dogs, they, uh, get your clothes dirty, which I love. They lick you in the face when you don't really want to be licked in the face. They'll make noises in the back of the recordings when again, it's not, not favorable and you're too lazy to pause and, you know, stop and cut it out. Um, all sorts of awesome things, but plants don't do any of that. Plants just look like either alive or dead. And I have one plant that I've like kind of kept alive, but at this point it's more, it's more dead than alive on the, on the spectrum of life. And this sounds messed up, but I I kind of am just going to let it die. I'm just going to watch it wither. I'm just going to watch it go through the stages of death because the thing about this plant is that the plant started with, um, I want to say 10 leaves, 10, it's like, it's like a, you know, it's like a plant, a table plant, but sorry with 10 beautiful, big green leaves. And over time I had periods swings in my life where I was either really making sure to take care of it or really not just very negligent. And, um, over time, you know, the leaves, they kind of die one at a time. So if it's like, you're being a little negligent, like a little more, you're not giving it enough water but not by a huge margin, like one leaf at a time will wither. It turns to yellow and then to, you know, just gets all dead and such. And the thing is, is that when that would happen, I would go, oh, okay, I should do better going forward. So I'll, I'll try to take more active care of it. But what I do is I pluck, I just, I just plink, plink, plink out the stem of that particular leaf from the base of, of the rest of the plant. So I throw it in the trash. So that's what I do. I just throw the dead parts in the trash and then voila, I have a healthy looking plant again, but just with one less leaf. Okay. It has four leaves right now. All right. So I've been through this cycle enough where I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. But I also just feel like there's some sort of natural thing going on. Maybe I'm not like fertilizing the soil. Maybe there's something I need to do that I'm not doing beyond watering and keeping, keeping it in sunlight, but four out of 10 leaves, it's not very encouraging. If the plant came up originally and it only had four out of 10 leaves that it was supposed to have, 
the, the, the botanist or whatever would probably look at that and say, well, I'm not going to sell this because you're very underdeveloped. Okay. So I'm taking care of a plant that is effectively on its last legs. And I think the most humane thing I could possibly do short of throwing it in the trash, the entire thing is watching it die leaf by leaf and seeing how long it takes. So I'll provide a, a plant update every podcast if I can remember, or maybe not every podcast, but you know, when something happens, I'll provide a plant update. My bet is that I think the plant will be fully dead and gone. If I don't water it at all, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give it sunlight, you know, like even dying people deserve a window with, you know, the light coming in to look out of and think of better times. Okay. Even if you're on your deathbed, you deserve a good view. And I'm going to give the plant a good view, but I'm not going to give it water. And we're just going to see what happens. Okay. Simple enough. So, all right. I don't know. I'm going to go on my phone. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, is there anything else happening in the world? Let's check Twitter. I'm going to check Twitter for 10 seconds. If I don't see anything captivating right away, I'm, going to, I'm just going to talk about what is going on. <laughs> okay. I'm not making this up. The very first thing on the For You tab is trending in political figures, murder. 115k tweets just the word murder in political figures god damn i wonder what happened okay let's find out uh, uh not anything in particular i don't know this doesn't seem to be that interesting i think um oh there was like a riot in atlanta okay i don't know antifa Okay, I'm just going to be honest. I don't even know what Antifa is. I don't even know. Is that the alt-right people or is that like the liberal people? I don't. Which one is Antifa? I actually don't know. I'm being serious. So uh, I was going to say shout out to Antifa, but not having the precedent of who Antifa is. I feel like that's a bad idea. I'm also the very last thing I'm going to talk about on this podcast is politics. Uh, And by that, I mean, I will talk about it but it's going to be the very last thing. Like when we're in that death spiral, when we're on that, you know, last part of that Bezier, Bezier curve, that's when the politics are going to come out. Cause I've, I've lost the motivation to talk about anything else. That's actually interesting. So I'm just going to get mad about things that I can't control. Okay. Not to imply that any of this has been interesting cause it hasn't, but it, trust me, it can get worse and I will see to it that it gets, it gets worse. Um, but yeah, so, oh yeah, so I was at, I didn't really finish what I was going to say. So I was at the, the, um, conservatory or whatever, and, um, they have all sorts of awesome plants and displays. They have like rooms of bonsai trees and, you know, water th- flowing through the middle of it. They, they even had koi fish and these koi ponds inside and outside. And, uh, well, so first of all, the, the koi fish, I have to say the koi fish outside were definitely getting the raw deal because they were all at the bottom of the pond. And of course I see them all at the bottom of the pond. I'm like, they're all dead from being outside in the, in the winter. It was like, it was like 30 degrees. And, uh, a guy passes me and my friends, right. as like, just as we're looking at the fish, he didn't even say anything just as we're looking at the fish. And he goes, 
he proceeds to explain that they're essentially hibernating, that they're sleeping. And uh, first of all, awesome guy to just kind of know that off the top of his head, the coy guy. That's, I would love to be like the something guy where people are having conversations and I'm just like, actually, like he, I, I, well, my theory is that he was hired. He's actually, he works for the conservatory to give people some cool information that they didn't really ask for, but it was cool. And now I know that they're hibernating and not all dead. Um, but I do have to say, I think they got the, the bad deal of the two deals that these uh, two koi ponds got because the indoor koi pond, everybody was swimming around all happy and, and having fun uh, because it was heated and indoors and, and climate controlled. Outdoors, they have to sleep. I mean, what do you, you know, do you, do you think that they like trade the koi's every now and then? They're like, okay, you guys get some indoor time. You guys come outside. Probably not, because it probably just messes up their like sense of of the seasons or something. I you know I don't know. Animals need routine. We all need routine. I need routine. I don't have routine, but I need it. I mean, routine is is super important just for having a schedule, you know. And if like a koi pond is or a koi fish doesn't have routine, what is it going to do from nine to five? What if it sleeps till twelve one day, and then it only has five more hours than its usual nine to five routine? that's going to throw it off. Then it's going to be doing its thing from 12 to eight. And that's just going to throw it off further. Cause then it goes to sleep at a later time. And, you know, it might perpetuate cause it might stay up watching uh, TV in bed until 3am falling asleep. And it knows that it's not even really watching it. It's just kind of allowing the light of the TV to keep it awake. And it's going to affect the sleep very negatively, especially if there's a loud sound, it wakes it up at 5am and it realizes that it's only had two hours of bad sleep. So instead it sleeps until, you know, 10 or 11, which maybe today that was an improvement from, you know, 12, but ultimately it's not on a good schedule. Uh, uh, how do you think that that would affect the koi fish? Sound off in the comments. You know, I think about things all day and then I get a platform to talk about like whatever I want. And I, I'm, I'm, I just blank. I literally blank 100% on any kind of subject I could pursue to the point where I'm literally looking around the room, like, what can I talk about? What's an object that, you know, has a story? Um, man, I don't know. Let's say dog parks, right? Uh Oh, I shouldn't have said that. That just stirred the dogs, but I go to dog parks a lot. Um, we're there pretty much every day. We usually cycle between a few of them. So, you know, I like to have a little variety. They like to have a little variety, but, um, it's definitely an interesting thing going to the dog parks. If you're someone who goes there regularly to go there on the weekends, cause we were there today and we we're there yesterday and everything. And, um, dogs are most comfortable around dogs that they recognize cause they get a pack, you know, the dogs, even if they don't live with the dog, if they see a dog enough, it's like, oh, you're part of my pack. You're, I mean, you're my friend. I know you like the dog doesn't even have to get along with the dog or like it can be, you know, um, completely just, it doesn't have to care about the dog's presence, but that's better than it meeting a new dog that it doesn't know. And then it, it doesn't start off well. They have bad blood and like, you know, they get into something. And, um, at the dog park, 
when you go at the same time, like every day during the week, you see the same people, which is great because they're familiar with those dogs. And, and, you know, there's no, I mean, I, I have never seen my dogs have a problem with a dog that they had met previously ever. And generally my dogs don't have problems with other dogs. It's, it's like very rare that anything even close to a fight comes uh, between them. But the thing is, is that dogs are, if one dog, it takes two to tango, but if one dog engages with them and they don't know that dog, it is very easy for, you know, something to happen. And I'm, you know, fortunate, or I should say I'm experienced enough that they're socialized enough that it doesn't happen that way. Cause even if there's like a minor spat with another dog that they don't know, it breaks off very quickly. But I have to say it is the most nerve wracking thing for me to go to that. I'm going to start saying the place. Cause that's what I do at home. I don't say the dog park, dog park. If I say, if I say the dog park, dog park, and they get all excited and that's, that's mean. It's, it's, it's 8, 10 PM. I don't, we're not going to the so I, I tend to not really like, or I don't look forward to going to the place on the weekends because they're, it's full of people who, <laughs> they're, they're not there regularly. That's fine. You know, like people who like, they take their kids there, they take their dog there, you know, once a month as like a little novelty. Oh, why don't we stop at the, you know, let's go see the dogs. But like people just have no idea what they're doing. And there's, this very, very noticeable discrepancy between the people who go there the same time every, every, you know, day or or every so often, like during the week and the people who go there on the weekends, the people that go there on the weekends, just, I mean, I, it's so, it's so funny, but it's also so nerve wracking to just see people that very clearly have zero control of their dogs. Um, because like, it's funny because it's like, Lowell, you're telling the dog to stop barking. Like, all right. I feel like every, every, every dog owner does this at some point, but let me just tell you, you own a dog and you tell it, you, you repeatedly tell, stop barking, stop barking. Hey, you stop barking, stop barking. Not only does a, and this might, this is controversial. It doesn't know English. It doesn't know English. And B, when you approach it with that kind of tone, that sort of encouraging, like, you know, uplifting that, you know, rising tone, guess what it thinks it's doing? Getting positive attention from you. If that is how you address your dog barking, I don't care what you're embarrassed, you're annoyed. I don't care. Just stop. You got to have some self-control. And this is a dog training podcast now, by the way, I'm going to bring Brandon McMillan on next episode. Surprise. Um, But no, if that is your method of, of trying to get your dog to stop barking, no, stop. You got to just ignore it. It's hard, it's awkward, and it's usually annoying, but you have to just ignore the dog barking. It will never hear you say stop and have some sort of grand revelation. Dogs are smart, but once more, it doesn't know English, okay? And stop barking is not a command. It's, it's, it's a plea with an animal that doesn't understand your plea in a tone that to it somewhat suggests that it's doing the right thing. So it's just going to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over. So look, it's hard, but you got to resist that base urge to say those words to your dog when it's barking. It's never going to help. But I I understand. I get it. Look, because it's it's, in public, it's a thing or or like if you have people over, like whatever, it's about avoiding embarrassment. And I think that's like, it's one of those short term, um, how to say, I guess like 
and not really a band-aid on the problem because it doesn't solve the problem at all, but what it does, so just say a situation, right, where you're having friends over your house and your dog is barking at a car or something, right? If you start going, hey, stop, stop, stop barking, stop barking, you know, A, the dog will never stop. Um, and B, you're only doing it, you know you're only doing it because you're embarrassed of the dog in front of company. It has nothing to do with the effects of what you're saying. I mean, you you hope that it'll get it to stop, but you're not stupid. You understand, or I, some of you may be stupid. If you're stupid, then this doesn't apply to you. But if you're not stupid, then you understand that it's not effective. Your dog, it doesn't know English. It doesn't know English. It doesn't know English. And even you yelling or pleading with your dog to stop barking, you should at least understand that. So you're doing it because you're embarrassed of the dog's behavior. You, at this very moment, think to yourself, we should be training them better. And then the second your guests leave, you don't train them better because that's just how these you know, moments happen because you're not addressing it when it's happening. So you're trying to not, you know, be embarrassing. But the thing is, is like your guests, A, they don't really care. Hardly anyone gives a shit if a dog barks. I mean, if a dog's barking for like 20 minutes and you're trying to watch a movie, okay, maybe that's a different situation. But if a dog's bark, barking at something that's like, it, it you know, it's going to leave, it's going to go, it's not going to be there forever. Just let it do its thing or better yet, distract it with something that it likes so that it forgets that the, that the thing it's, you know, antagonized by is even there. That's really, that's the best thing you can do. That's the best short-term solution. Distract the dog with something else. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, don't let embarrassment be the reason that you can't address the dog's behavior in a healthy, productive way. In fact, if, you know, cause like for me, so for me, something that, um, I always tell people this, uh, cause it's kind of like a weird fact. I, I remember reading about this, um, I think it was the art of raising a puppy by the, by the monks in New Skeet. I, I read this. Um, it always struck me as weird when I read it, but I have abided by it. And I think, you know, to, to my knowledge, it's good because I, I think I've avoided any potential trauma in doing this where if you, uh, accidentally hurt your dog, say, you know, you step on your dog's paw, we've all done it, right? You accidentally step on your dog's paw. You hear them yelp. Do not come to their aid. Do not be like, oh my God, you sweet little baby. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, so, so, so. Because, and the way this is phrased is not this exact thing. I, I, I forgot the way, the rationale behind it exactly. But the idea is that you're doing a tone of voice, which is creating somewhat of a positive connotation behind what you just did, which is injuring them. So if you ignore it and you actually don't even address it at all, they're going to forget about it and they're not going to have any sort of connotation about what happened. As soon as you draw attention to it with this, you know, version of support, it's like they, again, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to explain it well, but all I know is that the association that they make with you being supportive as a result of them being injured is actually negative. It's a negative connotation that you don't want to make. It's just one of those weird things, but really it's not that weird at all because if you think about it again, the dog doesn't know English. So it's about your tone. It just knows that you reacted in the exact same way intonation wise that you react when it does something that you like. You, you, you ask it to sit, it sits, you say, Oh, good, good dog. Good dog. You know, here's a treat. It's the exact same intonation as you going, stop parking. Don't no, stop. So, you know, the advice is just, you got to ignore it. And if it persists, you redirect it. 
if you give it attention, you're giving it the result it wants. And that's not going to be good for you long term. It's not going to be good for anyone. I'm just, you know, people people are aware of this, but again, it's it's a very base instinct and it's a social thing where when you're with people, I think the idea is if I don't, so, you know, I just said, right. I was like, okay, ignore it. Like, don't give it attention. And if it gets really bad, redirect with like a toy or just have it get busy with something else. But it's very awkward because to most people, they're going to think, oh, they're not doing anything about their barking dog. Like if they were doing something to address it, you know, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but because they're doing nothing, I think, you know, less of them, but you need to be, you need to be patient and you need to be willing to explain to people too, like, this is how you deal with this situation. It might not be what you're used to. You, you might be used to people who make the situation work worse. And every single time you see them, they're still making it worse because the, the problem never, ever gets better, which you don't even think about. But, you know, this is really how you address the situation. Um, so that's my soapbox. I don't know. I, people, I don't think people really understand just how easy it is to really train a dog if you're consistent with your behavior and you're very patient you're very you know you, you again consistency and patience and i think you just need to be willing to maybe break some social norms if you put them in certain situations and they act a certain way um that's i think it's just like in the most casual sense of of getting your dog to do the right thing that's something that i think a lot of people need to overcome but it's hard to overcome it's challenging and it's the reason that most people don't deal with it. Um, me, myself, I'm not saying this, by the way, is like some kind of expert dog trainer. My dogs have several bad habits. But whenever something happens that's related to that habit, I think to myself, well, I didn't train them with this. But if it really gets bad or if it's really important to me, then I need to, I need to make a change. Um, like, for example, um, my, one of my dogs, she has a habit of not even destroying anything, but when I leave the house, um, she would take, I have like a little, a little garbage bin, um, by my, my computer desk and she would take the, like, like a tissue or a napkin, something she could tear up. She would take it out of the bin and she, funny enough, she wouldn't, when she was a little younger, she would like really tear it up, but she would just like tear it once, make one little tear in it, just displace it, make one little tear in it, displace it, like put it somewhere under the uh, like on the, on the carpet or something and then be done with it. And I would get home. Um, no, so I don't know if I said, but she, she would do this when I'm, I'm not home. So I would leave the house and I would get home and I just see one like tissue just slightly torn up on the ground. And she is acting so guilty. She's so, she's like head down, you know, she's w wagging her tail. She's like the guiltiest dog you've ever seen in your life. But the thing is, is like, you know, so I started out with that behavior. I would, I would, you know, put it in her face. I tell her, no, no, but you, you kind of learn that that's not really, it doesn't really teach the dog why they shouldn't do that. So a good tip in that situation that I, I picked up from, from just learning about dog training is like, you, you want to present them with the option of the thing that they are destroying, but then present them with a better option, like a toy or a treat that they like to the point where they positively associate the better option over the thing that they're, you know, um, they're destroying. But anyway, so it's, but with me, it was like, I saw that and I was like, so originally I tried that. I said, no, 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 but she wouldn't get any better at it. And, um, you know, she would still just take the one thing, which again, it's, it's a very small thing to do, which is why it's so funny. It's like, she just like wants to make a point. 
she just wants my attention when I get home or she's like trying to express that she's upset that I'm leaving. Um, the behavior is much less likely if she's been exercised also, by the way, that's dogs An exercise dog is a healthy and happy dog. Remember that exercise, healthy, happy dogs love exercise and they love being given something to do, something to play with someone to play with. But yeah, no. So, uh, one of the things that I, I did, uh, too early on, what, which was, um, I would take the bin. So when I would go to leave, I would take the bin and I would put it somewhere she, she couldn't get it. And I would do that and I would do that, but sometimes I would forget, or I'd just be running out of the house and I would forget to do it. So, you know, the bin would be down and I would come home and she, she'd done the exact same thing. And I think that was my moment where I was like, well, she hasn't learned anything. I'm just preventing the problem from happening by changing something about the way I live to accommodate for her problem. But I haven't made an adjustment to the problem whatsoever. I haven't given her any kind of reason not to do it. So something I've been doing more recently, which has worked a lot better, is um, I, I tried lemons at first, but she actually kind of likes lemons. She's so weird. <laughs> Dogs hate citrus. She does not hate citrus, so I don't know. But I bought some of this spray. They call it bitter yuck spray, and it just tastes terrible to dogs. Smells really bad, so it's not my favorite thing in the world, but I would spray this bitter yuck spray all over the bin, you know, all over the tissues in there. And, um, you know, I'd come home, and I would see, like, she now, now and again, she, like, attempts to go for, like, a tissue on top, but she just drops it right next to the thing because it's, it's not, she doesn't like it. She doesn't want to have it in her mouth. So in doing that, I just, I, I, change the incentive. So she's no longer, she, she knows like she's going to have a bad taste in her mouth if she goes for the, the bin. So she's been going for it a lot less. I don't put it on top of a structure anymore. I just use the spray. And, and over time it's gotten a lot better. And every now and then I, I don't use the spray to, you know, I test to see, okay, well, did this make it better? Or is it just only when I have the spray and she, you know, she still does it, but it, it has made a significant difference. And I guess my point of, of why I'm mentioning this is like, you can't avoid the problem. You can't like set it off if it's something that affects you or it's, you know, frustrating to deal with. You just have, you have to look up a strategy to address it head on. And millions of people with dogs experience the same exact problems. Oh, my dog barks. So they pull on the leash or they take out of the trash or they destroy my stuff, which means there are hundreds of thousands of solutions for dealing with these things you know, time tested, tried and true stuff. And if one thing doesn't work for your dog, chances are something else will. No dog is immune to all methods. So yeah, dog training is, is weird. And there are things that I'm, I'm, I'm complacent to at this point. Like one of my dogs is very well furniture trained. They do not get up on the furniture without permission. Well, they do when I'm not home, <laughs> but I see them on the camera. Uh, but the other dog, she kind of just does what she, she's, she's younger. She's more wild. She has a lot more energy. She's a lot harder to, to, I won't say harder to train, but she is just, she's very, very smart. She's a brilliant girl, but she really likes to kind of do her own thing. And so it's a little bit difficult to persuade her otherwise. And, and furniture training is, is hard, but I've gotten to a point with her where when I tell her to get off of furniture, she does it pretty much no question. But she just gets very excited. She doesn't see the boundary of like being invited onto furniture. And so that's been something that I want to work with her on. But I have to be honest, like it's one of those things where to me in my own house, like if she was like this on other people's and other people's houses, I would be 
you know, I wouldn't be happy with that. And that would probably be my incentive to want to change this, this aspect of her behavior more directly. But I don't really mind that much that she gets up on the couch so long as when I tell her to get off, she gets off. That's good for me, for my lifestyle. That's fine. Like I'm, I'm, that's a line in the sand that I feel comfortable with. So for me, there's not that much incentive to make that change. But if there's something about your dog that's bothering you on, on a day-to-day basis or embarrasses you or whatever, you know, find it in yourself to not just, not just think to yourself, oh, I should be changing this, but in the moment while it's happening, try to, cause I mean, really it's presenting you with the opportunity to teach. That's the great thing is like, like, especially like a barking problem. This is not something where you need to carve time out of your day uh, every day just to, to de-incentivize it. This is like, oh, it's happening. They're barking. I want to, I, I'm positioned to address this. I can do it right now, but you know, it's going to be against your immediate nature. And sometimes it might be socially uncomfortable. Like that's, you got to just accept that you, you can't go through it and just be like, I'm going to, you know, try to talk that they don't know English. Your dog, they don't know English. So that's our dog training segment for, uh, for today. What else? What else? All right. So I set up a recording station upstairs. I really, I set, I set one up. I got a space for it. I got a, I actually have a good setup going. Uh, and then I decided not to use it because recording from my, my desk is easier. Um, but it's kick-ass. It's good. I'm using my mic shield and everything. Not right now, but if I actually have the motivation to take my stuff upstairs, the rest of my stuff, uh, it will be good. It will sound, it will, I think it'll sound better. I will say, um, there's more sound that comes in from the window in that room. So I'm worried that that noise will actually kind of invalidate the whole move. Cause it, you know, I might sound less echoey, but if there's going to be added background noise, I, you know, it's not really the move I want to, I want to make. Um, I think people can handle echo more than they can handle a persistent hum or whatever cars passing who wants that nobody wants that so yeah future episodes i might go and uh go and do that you know by episode six who cares it's gonna be a nightmare i'm gonna have uh industrial noises blasting in the background as i start screaming about whatever i want there's not going to be any kind of pitch grit or like, you know, um, EQing, volume leveling, compression, all that is going out the door. I'm letting this, I'm letting this thing, the whole recording peak, however much I want. Uh, the editor, I'm firing them. It's just going to be me, unfiltered, unhinged. Anything I don't want published, I'm not going to cut it out. I don't care. So episode six, expect that to be what happens. In the meantime, I think we're done with episode two. Thank you. Editor here. He will never get rid of me. He needs me. He needs me.